You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America, Conservative Review Senior Editor Daniel Horowitz. Using pure common sense and ignoring the groupthink, Daniel breaks down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering the Conservative Conscience. And welcome back to the Conservative Conscience. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, here in icy central Maryland, where the kids are actually off of school for a good reason. So once again, you might hear noise in the background as the kids clamor to get in here and destroy all my radio stuff and all my cool equipment. Not so cool, but for the kids, it definitely is. But anyway, uh, yeah, it is pretty treacherous and icy out here. So I certainly uh, understand getting off of school for half an inch of ice rather than a half an inch of snow like they did before. And that's why Washington is still quite quiet, except if you want to talk about Oprah and Steve Bannon all day. I mean, we could do that. We could get up here and do the group think like everyone else and give our commentary on Oprah running for president, or on the latest gossip with the Steve Bannon feud. And this is, I I almost think there's a conspiracy that every time there's either good news that needs to be broadcast, that that all Americans need to know about, that we're implementing good conservative policies, and we're going to get to a lot of this, that there's a lot of good news out there and you know I'm I'm the doomsday guy. I'm always going to tell you when we're in trouble. There's a lot of bad things that we have to watch out for. But this president is actually doing a lot of things right on the economic level, national security, immigration. Uh, but nobody knows about it. It's unbelievable. We live in a news cycle where, you know, it used to be back in the 90s, they told us it's the economy, stupid. If the economy is doing good, you know, the incumbent party is always going to win. But here, in, in, in the modern news cycle where it is so incessant it's so endless if you have just endless news about the soap opera that is going to step on good economic news and it's just it's just a shame but that's the thing we need a political party and i know we're not going to get it from republicans but we got to try to salvage as much as we can until until a new party does emerge we need a party that could harness a news cycle for at least a few weeks and have a positive narrative. Here's what we're doing on the economy. Here's what we're doing on immigration. Here's what we're doing on national security. And every time there's something of of substance to discuss, I always think there's some sort of conspiracy to just step on it with stupid news. Just, Just complete nonsense. So that's where we are this week. Steve Bannon all the time, and now we got the Oprah news. Uh, but but the reality is, you know, if this president could actually use his megaphone, which is more robust than any other president before him, he could step over these distractions. And this is his big Achilles heel. Because right now, as it stands now, Republicans are going to get crushed in the midterm elections. Now, in the long run, who knows if that's going to be a good thing or a bad thing. Although, I will tell you, having Democrats win all these governorships and state legislatures is, is going to be pretty bad for redistricting. Although, the courts have already taken care of that themselves. And you know, even when Republicans control redistricting, well, the courts control it and they give it to the Democrats. But I digress. 
there's a lot of important things going on. So first, I just want to start off today's show with a couple of uh, internal notes. Number one, if you haven't until now, I mean, it's already January 8th, but certainly not too late to renew your CRTV subscription. You definitely want to do that now. Uh, we have so much content, new guys like Andrew Wilkow coming on board. Uh, I'm telling you, it's more content than you'll know what to do with. Number two, we're going to have our update of 25 biggest rhinos and 25 biggest heroes. Of among They're only elected officials, senators or or a congressman in Washington. You're not going to want to miss that. And then I wanted to announce to you guys, we're going to start having a Meet the Candidate series on the conservative conscience. You know, many of you know I've struggled with this since the whole Roy Moore, Alabama blow up, whether to even get involved in this stuff anymore. And I, I've just, I told you guys I've had it. I've had it vouching for people personalities. I could vouch for issues, but I just, you never know what's going to come back and bite you. But more and more, I'm seeing people that I know, some I'm just getting to know, that are really, that really want to change the country for, for a good way. I always say it's easy to do what I do for a living, but we need people who are actually going to get on the field, not just stay in the bleachers and cheer or yell. And it's very hard to find. I mean, this is the old thing to, to find someone who's, you know, shares our values, who understands exactly what needs to be done, understands the issues, understands what's wrong. They're not going to get sucked in, but they're not crazy. They're not going to embarrass you. They could raise money, yada yada. I mean, it's essentially nobody. But I'm seeing a lot of very well-intentioned people running for office, and there's not a lot of information on that. You know, just Trump's personality pretty much sucks up everything and the whole soap opera around it. A lot of people aren't even aware of who are the good guys running for governor, who are the good guys running for Senate, House, the extent there are any for Senate, very few. Um, I'm, I'm going to be spotlighting them, not promising necessarily endorsements, the ones I know personally, personally, personally obviously like Chip Roy, uh, you know, him I'm look, that's a guy I have no problem endorsing. I know they're going to come back and say, oh, he's a terrible person. Everyone I know all of a sudden will be a terrible person, but I don't care. I'm going to take that risk. Like I said before, if you don't throw the ball, yeah, you won't toss an interception or risk a fumble. But what's the point? So, you know, I'm going to do it a little different for a lot of them. They might not necessarily be my, you know, enthusiastic endorsements. I might just have them on the show and... I'm going to ask them pointed questions, not just where do you stand on the issues, but just to under to to give over to you guys a their chances of winning, but also their understanding of the political dynamic, their understanding of what exactly are they going to do that's going to make a difference. So I'm going to try to spotlight these people because I I feel an obligation. I feel there are some people that are good that want to run and. They don't have a way of even getting a small platform to, to launch themselves. So I just feel a responsibility that this is something I cannot walk away from, even though I really do want to walk away from it. So there's a lot of names. Now, obviously, there's you know some guys like Art Halverson I've already endorsed in previous cycles, and now he's actually the odds-end guy to, to, to win because it's an open seat now in southwest Pennsylvania. 
you know, Matt Lynch is running again in Northeast Ohio. You got Jaron Jackson in Oklahoma. These are just people that I've already dealt with, but there's a lot of people reaching out to me. Actually, there are two people in the audience here at Conservative Conscience that are avid listeners for a long time and are considering running for house. Very much inspired by our message here. So, you know, it's very hard for me to overlook that. Obviously, I don't get paid for grooming candidates. I used to do PAC work. I don't do it anymore. Um, but, you know, I feel any way I could help give a platform to someone who might be able to win. And if they win, they might be able to help be among that small group of people that are going to give voice to our issues, to give voice to our systemic reforms on health care, on immigration, on national security, um, systemic governmental reforms. Th this is definitely something I'm not going to shy away from. So we're going to start that. We're going to start doing, you know, maybe once a week an episode on, uh, you know, just, just interviewing these candidates. So email me at dharwitz at conservative at CRTV. I'm sorry. Um, dharwitz at CRTV.com. As well as, you know, you could always get a hold of me on Twitter. Tweet me at conservative. I want to hear from you guys. Let me know if you have people. And, and look, don't waste my time if there's someone that, just literally doesn't have a prayer to raise more than 3000 bucks. I mean, you know, you, you do need to raise $100,000 or so to even get on the map. That's just a reality. I, I, I wish I had a way of cracking that code. Um, but until I can get more people to support my initiative of converting primaries to state conventions, I just don't know what we can do. You know, the bottom line is you've got to raise the money, and it's, it's tough. There aren't too many people who share our values with a lot of money. Very few. So, um, look, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. And like I said, you know, I have some ideas for who's going to be our first few, uh, first few, uh, I would, I would say victims, <laughs> but you know, we're not going to be tough on anyone, but I'm just saying I'm going to be a little different than I was before just with, you know, straight up endorsements. I'm going to kind of, just ask probing questions to, to, to put it out there so you'll see on your own. Is this someone I want to support? Is this someone I want to send a $100 check or a $50 check? Um, encourage people who live in that area that you know to, to volunteer. Uh, it, it's tough. You know, I, I feel very burned. It, it, it's really, really tough. But at the end of the day, you got to get your guys in there. And the problem is we're going backwards because it's not just, oh, there's a bunch of old bull rhinos in Congress. It's even the new people, even new people from conservative districts we're losing. You know, the special election in Utah to fill Jason Chaffetz's seat, the guy's a rhino, literally a Democrat. So we're, we're going backwards. So anyway, we're going to have our Meet the Candidate series over the next, you know, five, six, seven months as these primaries heat up. Some of them are going to be open seats. Some of them are going to be challenges against incumbents. They're very difficult. Um, but, you know, look, I, at, the end of the day, at the end of the day, we got to stand for what's right. And anyone who at least is trying to mount a serious campaign, to the best of my knowledge, if I, if I could see that there's something beyond the platitudes there and they really are going to be among those that are the Chip Roy, Ted Cruz, Mike Lee model, we're definitely going to try to highlight them. So, look, if it's any any of you guys in the audience who want to run, let me know. Um, but, but again, you know, it's I, I can't waste everyone's time if it's not a credible challenge. But anyway, enough with the programming notes here. There's actually a lot of good news going on here. 
you know, the beginning of last year, I was very down on Trump. I felt we were getting a lot, all the liabilities, none of the policy benefits, a lot of promises, but no, no policy outcomes. And, you know, at the time, I poo-pooed some things as just ceremonial. Even if they were good, we'd, we'd get them anyway out of other presidents. The truth is, what Trump has been doing the last couple months, almost any other Republican would not have done. So these are meaningful reforms. You know, it was just announced today, they are cutting off $900 billion in aid to Pakistan. We always talk about, oh, we're not going to give funds to those that hate us and burn American flags. You know what? Trump's actually doing it. Rand Paul has legislation to permanently cut it off. Hopefully that's going to gain traction. But that that is a positive move. Also, you know, like we spoke about last week, coupled with his willingness to challenge the holy grail of the Palestinians. Why the heck are we giving them money? He's the first president to actually ask that question. And, you know, a lot of people say this man's unstable, he's nuts, he's this, he's that. Whatever you think of him, if you do think those thoughts, the question is, what the hell does that say about everyone else in the political system? If this man, who doesn't seem to know much about policy, seems to be rather capricious, really erratic in his temperament, and yet he gets certain intuitive policies of putting America first and not losing and not being a national masochist. What does it say about the sane, smart, respectable, moral politicians? Again, I'm saying that kind of tongue-in-cheek here, but what does it say about them that none of them are even willing to approach this? Another big important thing, you know, we talked about a lot of important news with immigration last week in our in our uh, Thursday show. Refugee admissions are way down. Trump is vetting family ties, so even without permanently reforming chain migration, um, he's vetting them more carefully, so the numbers are lower after a record year in 2016. But another thing that he did, big news today, he ended TPS, temporary protected status, it's a form of amnesty for El Salvador. That's about 230,000 illegals that now lost their status. Now, you're going to see all this news, oh my gosh, Trump's throwing out these poor people. The reality is, just so you know, Temporary protected status is just that, temporary. What what it was designed to do is not to be another permanent amnesty program for people that come here illegally like everyone else, but that's what it's become. What it was is if you have a natural disaster and you need temporary harbor, we'll offer to you, you know, until you can get your house back or whatever. There's an earthquake, there's a mudslide, there's a hurricane. So you had Honduras, Nicaragua, um, El Salvador is the big one. You had Haiti. So I actually criticized Trump a couple months ago because you know you still had the liberals running DHS and they extended the status for Honduras, even though that was from Hurricane Mitch in 1998, which was crazy. So that was 54,000 people. But since then, he's ended it for Haiti. That was the 2010 earthquake. And today he ended it for El Salvador. Now, El Salvador was, why, why do they have TPS? That was an earthquake in 2001. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't remember it. Now, I know that was a busy year with 9-11, but I don't know if anyone remembers it. So the notion that 17 years later, 
we'd keep this status for for people that are supposedly fled a hurricane uh, uh i mean an earthquake that nobody ever remembers is pretty insane now the reality of tps is this a lot of these people particularly from el salvador because that's a big sending country for illegal immigrants it's it's it has nothing to do with the earthquake or the mudslide or the hurricane it has everything to do with it's a horrible place to live like all these third world countries and they want to come here some of them just want to be on welfare. Some of them want to work. Some of them are MS-13. El Salvador is the homeland of MS-13, and we have an MS-13 crisis in this country. So a lot of these people came here illegally. They weren't brought in through TPS. They came here illegally, but then when you had a hurricane or you had an earthquake, they go and piggyback off of it and they sign up for it. But really, they're nothing but illegal aliens. Section 244 of the INA grants DHS authority to declare TPS due to conditions in the country that temporarily prevent the country's nationals from returning. That's what it is. It's not because I don't like it because I want a job. It's because, you know, there's a flood. So it's an extraordinary and temporary. It's for extraordinary conditions and temporary conditions. So... You know, anyone bellyaching about, like, Trump is taking away something. No, no, no. These people and previous presidents have taken away our sovereignty. He is giving back American sovereignty. This is a very important reform. Until now, no president has ended TPS. TPS pretty much started during the Clinton years. And, you know, Clinton, um, Bush, and Obama continued every single TPS. Not a single one ever ever was temporary, no matter the circumstances. And uh, that's the thing. It's all it's all part of the legal immigration agenda. And, and and look, you know, you could call me every name you want in the book, but the bottom line is El Salvador, you know, as as a baseline economically all the immigration from there is not advantageous to us. Um very, very impoverished population, even more impoverished than Mexican nationals on average, um, but also a very big security problem. I'm not saying they're all like this, but a tremendous amount are have ties um, or at least exhibit behavior similar to those in MS-13. It's a very big problem since the surge in Central American illegal immigration since 2014, by the way, produced by DACA. So this is a great piece of news, a great narrative. We're going to put America first. Imagine if we had a party that together with the president constantly stayed on message. We're going to put America's safety and security and economy first. We're going to stop America from from continuing to be a dumping ground. A narrative. That's what we're in search of. So this is one good piece of news. The other thing is, so far, it's been pretty good on the DACA amnesty negotiations. So far, it looks like Trump is holding strong. I'm going to link to in show notes my article from today calling on him to hold strong and basically warning about Lindsey Graham's uh, subterfuge where they're going to indulge us in chain migration. Oh, we're, we're going to fix chain migration. Basically, what they're planning on doing is offering to repeal something that doesn't exist. LPRs won't be able to bring in relatives. I got news for you. LPRs can't bring in any relatives under current law. 
They obviously have to become citizens, but that's the concern. Once you become a citizen, it's a problem. So they're going to have these phony things. It's actually ironic. One of Lindsey Graham's ideas I'm hearing is that he was going to agree to abolish the diversity visa lottery, but then replace it for expanded TPS. So that's the thing. It's going to be a bait and switch. They're going to promise $1.6 billion in you know, 50 miles of border fence, but not n- nothing more substantial. And so far, Trump has not taken the bait. So I'll link to that article in show notes. But a lot of good, Im- a lot of good news on, um, on immigration. Another thing I'm going to link to is my Friday, Friday article on energy. Drilling for oil. This is another thing. You know, I was the first person to say it was last spring when things were going pretty bad, spring and summer. Um, things were looking down policy-wise, and people were saying, well, but Gorsuch and the Keystone Pipeline. And I kind of poo-pooed it because I said, look, the Keystone Pipeline was universal. Every Republican president, it didn't cost them any, anything. All they had to do was just take off Obama's block. You know, that was just unanimous. But what Trump announced last week, you know, uh, Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke opening up 98% of the outer continental shelf to exploring and extracting, drilling our recoverable, recoverable reserves there. 98%, it's off of Alaska, Pacific, Gulf, Atlantic. That is, that is, that is big news there. And that is not something that any other president would do. In fact, Marco Rubio uh, actually opposes it, like most of the Florida delegation, which is nonsense. But, you know, it's all politics there. But this is something, one of the biggest untold stories that Republicans refuse to tell, Trump's been doing a little bit on Twitter, but he needs to give speeches on this, is God has bestowed America almost with a Hanukkah-style miracle on oil. That the more we we use, the more we discover, and the more there is. We learn the more there is. The IEA last year, every year they upped their estimates of recoverable reserves. Last year they upped it by 30%. Now estimate there's 105 billion barrels of recoverable reserves, both onshore and offshore. This is a big part, a big, big part, of why despite the soft socialism and the venture socialism, the dumpster fire of healthcare and the debt and dependency and the education system, the American economy is humming. It's the big oil miracle. A lot of people forget that. Oil is the lifeblood of the economy. Jobs, exports, um, wages, cost of living is a huge one. It's not just gas prices, it's everything. And that's the big story, both the, the, the recovering the, uh, of more oil, the discovering more oil, more oil, and the fracking technology to extract it more efficiently is just amazing, purely amazing. America is now a net exporter of natural gas. We have more natural gas than Qatar. And by 2025, we're projected to be a net oil exporter. We're now exporting a significant amount of oil. This is a national security thing, too, because we're breaking OPEC and Russia's stranglehold over Europe and other countries because we're now, not, not only aren't we dependent anymore, we're, we're basically energy independent, certainly within the next five years. We're exporting 
It's amazing. But the revenue that they could produce from this, the jobs, this is big news. You know, you know I don't cheerlead every last thing that, you know, conservative media is like, oh, Trump did this, Trump did that. A lot of this stuff could be a nothing burger. This is a big deal. But again, you know, it's just the first stages of the plan. They have to do an environmental impact study. It's at five different stages. Um, you know, Congress really needs to step on the gas pedal, no pun intended there, and uh, and break down some of the barriers because it will be taken to court, like all executive action, you know, the environmental litigation. And then, uh, you know, I think what they should do to buy off, say buy off doesn't sound nice, but true, Florida and California by saying, look, we're going to give you a more generous revenue sharing agreement for the royalties, and that's fine. You know, I think the states you know, where they have oil reserves off their coast, they should share in some of the revenue, and that's fine. But let's get this done. Let's get this done. Again, you don't hear any narrative. It's, you know, the House of Representatives is, is back in session, finally. The first, first day in session for 2018. There's no narrative there. There's no agenda where every member goes home to their district with 10 talking points. Here's what we're doing. Here's what we're doing. Look at the economy. No one knows. So all they know is Oprah and Steve Bannon. What a bunch of nonsense. So this is great news as well. And then we got good healthcare news. Really good healthcare news. So if you remember a while back, this was towards the end of the year, a couple months ago, Trump issued an executive order on healthcare to utilize the authority that he already has, nothing extra statutorily. This is something that is fully within his authority to work around the Obamacare regulations and different things to at least foster more competition in the healthcare market. Now, this is not getting rid of the Obamacare regulations, not getting rid of Obamacare. It's not certainly not getting rid of the spending side, the subsidies, the market distorting subsidies, the insanity of the Medicaid program. But just at least ways to address what nobody else in Congress wants to address, the fact that particularly for those that don't get group plans from, from work and they're not on the dole, they're getting hosed with $2,2500 a month premiums that are just no one could could pay that. I mean, in my market here, maybe I can get a plan for 18-1900. I'm on a health sharing ministry now. I'm using that option and and I think some of these reforms will will by the way bolster the enrollment in some of these alternatives and you know make them even more sustainable and make the rates go down even more. Um, you know, I'm paying about 450 a month, and we could talk about that another time. Health sharing. Um, I'd like to have uh, you know some of the leaders in that in that movement on the show just to discuss it as part of our you know bigger healthcare discussion this year, which I promised, and I know we're going to get to that. We're going to also get to our top healthcare healthcare reform ideas, as well as an update of our top immigration ideas. I forgot to mention that in our immigration segment here, but I digress. Trump has proposed addressing these people, right? The forgotten man in healthcare, the guy that doesn't want to be subsidized, but he doesn't want to be regulated into oblivion into paying more than a mortgage plus utilities for a product he doesn't really use because health insurance is not health care. 
So anyway, last week, and you know, this was totally stepped on by the insanity, but this is this is great news that he could really use for people. And 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 it's something that he should he should run on, all Republicans should run on, where they've allowed association plans to become eligible for all small businesses. So this doesn't help individuals if you're an individual that, you know, let's say you're a W-2 worker, but you just don't get a plan from work. That That's that's what I am, by the way. Um, I do not have an S-Corp. I did, I did at some point. But if you're a small business, you could, it's a lot easier, you could join an association based on either a shared profession or shared geography. And that will open up a lot of options because a lot of the people that are getting hosed are S-Corp or LLC you know, small business owners, sole proprietorships, or you have one or two employees. These are the people getting hosed. So that is that is an important step, very important step. Help a lot of people. Again, not everyone. It's not going to help individuals. Um, but you know, because he he just can't do that. Obviously, that's governed by 1974 RISA, and uh, you know, it's just a matter of defining what is a um a small business eligible for health association plans. So this is good news. A more significant um, piece of news, and it had the trigger hasn't been pulled yet, and it might be by the time you hear this, it, it looks like it's going to happen this week, but unregulated short-term plans, STLDIs, right? These are the um, short-term limited duration health insurance plans. So one of the big things... One of the big things, I mean, this is very important because a lot of the other changes he's proposing, like I said, they're not systemic. They're just going to offer a little bit of short-term relief for some people. Um, you know, but but under Obamacare, insurers were always able to offer short-term plans that are unregulated. And the the definition of a short-term plan was no longer than 12 months. So you could actually offer competitive plans just like before Obamacare as long as they're just for 12 months. It was the best kept secret of of Obamacare. Um, you know, a loophole in the in the in the law and it was actually there for a couple years. Now, at first it wasn't so utilized because things didn't get so bad. By the time they started to get bad and people were utilizing them. And, and you know, I, I don't have rates off hand, you know, off, off the top of my tongue here, but you could imagine if you're paying, let's say you're you'd have to pay $2,000, you could get the equivalent for, let's say, $400. A short-term plan lasts for up to a year. So anyway, it was really the Wall Street Journal that you know blew this open, and the Obama administration, I believe, discovered it through the Wall Street Journal. Um, so at the last couple months of his presidency, he, be, he, uh, he basically gutted it. So all Trump is plans on doing is just going back to actually what it was before but again they weren't utilized now you plug in the opportunity to utilize both on the consumer side and provide on the provider side short-term plans in a market where the the obamacare plans are two thousand dollars a month these things are a big deal this is where the potential to collapse obamacare and offer an escape route comes into play um because what this will do is create a permanent check and balance on the insurance cartel. Right now, they're the only show in town. It's fully regulated. You can't get competitive plans. So what are you going to do? 
Now, the good news is the individual mandate did go away, but you know, most people still want some sort of insurance. You know, I do want some sort of medical insurance. Now, I shouldn't l- let me scrap that. Some sort of hedge against risk. It doesn't have to be traditional insurance. It could be cost sharing. It could be, you know, through uh, concierge medicine. There's different ways of hedging against risk, of having some sort of flat rate to hedge against risk. Um, doesn't have to be traditional insurance, but you definitely want it, but you can't find affordable options. Unless, of course, you're on the dole, and then you can get everything for free. That's, that's essentially the problem that most consumer, consumers are faced with now. So now there's a check, because now there's an alternative. To, to the very measure that these idiots want to raise their premiums in response to the regs and lacks of, lack of subsidies, which, by the way, they support and are lobbying for, more and more people are now going to take that off-ramp onto these short-term plans. So this is really good. And by the way, it will also create a new competitive market for all those insurers who left the Obamacare exchanges. Now they're going to come and compete for short-term plans. So I'm hearing that they're going to be up to 12 months and renewable. That's a big deal. Because if they're 12 months and renewable, you could pretty much safely get into that. You know, this this is a very important thing. Um, you, you know, part of the... Oh, oh, and by the way, by the way, what's really important about this plan, and I might write an article on this, what's very important is the other thing Trump did was um, permitting the purchase of insurance across state lines. There's been a lot of talk about that, you know, for, for the last number of years by all Republican leaders and candidates, conservative policy people. Now, that only helps if there's what to offer and what to buy. The problem is that was that only that goal of breaking down the national market is only before we had Obamacare when you had it regulated at a federal level. Now that it's regulated at a federal level, you have guaranteed issue and community rating at a federal level. So, you know, yeah, I mean, cross state lines, but it's all unaffordable. So by offering affordable, competitive short term plans, that will now magnify the utility of his other order of breaking down the state lines, because now you really have a lot of competition. And likewise, the state lines um, will, or the lack thereof, will magnify the benefits of these short-term plans because now it's really a national market that's unregulated and competitive. So this hopefully will provide that that market of people getting these short-term high-deductible plans. And again... <laughs> <laughs> the joke is the Obamacare plans are just as high deductible, if not more, except you're paying a double what the old Cadillac plan premiums used to be. And here you'll be pay- paying a decent premium. And the rest, you know, they'll start paying out of pocket and, and actually not just fixing, fixing the health insurance mar- market, but health care market as well. So we have a lot of things I want to discuss when it comes to healthcare, but the point is there's so many good things. I mean, just the last 35 minutes of me talking, imagine if you had a Republican candidate saying half the stuff. Imagine if the president gave policy speeches. You know, I still believe every Thursday he should give a televised address from the Oval Office, just summarizing the week, what he's advancing, who's stonewalling him. Just make it serious, sound presidential, sound like you care about the people, talk about the economy, talk about our national security, and it would be a different political environment. 
this is the weird reality here. Obama was very popular personally. His policies were not popular. Trump's policies are really popular, but they don't get on the map because his personality is unpopular. So the Democrat, the the fact that Democrats are leading in the polls, some polls suggest a D plus 15 generic ballot is nothing to do with because people love what the Democrats are offering. It's all blowback against they feel Republicans aren't doing anything for them. They're not hearing anything about it. They're not seeing any productive policies. And they just see what they hear is an embarrassing, nightmarish soap opera every night, every day. So they want they want change. Democrats certainly aren't popular. This is how to win. This is the blueprint for winning. So anyway, we're, we're just about out of time. I got to go into a deep, dark right-wing conspiracy meeting. But we're going to have a lot more on, on health care. Um, a lot more, by the way, on the budget coming up and what Trump can and should offer as his red lines on immigration, on defunding Planned Parenthood and sanctuary cities and defunding sex change operations in the military. These are things that need to be addressed to get around the courts, and no one's discussing this. A lot of stuff on our agenda. Welcome all to 2018, our Westwood One audience. Thank you for listening. God bless you all. This has been another episode of The Conservative Conscience.